There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. G'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Butterfield Effect for episode 51. It's great to have you here. And ladies and gentlemen, every single week we have two podcasts. Yeah, that's not bad, is it? Not bloody bad at all. The second podcast can be found on Buttsman Premium, which is an exclusive content site for the good motherfuckers out there who want a little bit more of this balding bearded man. Now, it's got some great stuff on there. I highly recommend it. There's behind-the-scenes stuff. You get 15% off merch when you join, all that type of stuff. Good stuff. And I think next week we're giving away $2,000. Not bad. And a jackpot if, they does, if we don't get to give it away. Anyway, um, today's podcast should be bloody great uh, because we are talking to an Australian comedy legend, uh, Dave Hughes. Now, I first saw Dave Hughes back in the Dizzy when uh, when he was on The Glass House back in the early 2000s, maybe 2002, 2003, and I loved that show. And that was my introduction to Australian comedy through him and uh, Corinne Grant and Will Anderson. I loved that show. Um, what impact that had on me becoming a comic, I, I wonder. It, I, I'm, so, I'm sure I'll bring it up throughout the conversation. But Dave's also been very outspoken when it comes to lockdowns and the coronavirus and I wanted to ask him about comedy and uh, and just sort of get to know him a little bit. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is my conversation with the great Dave Hughes. Hughesy, thanks for joining us, mate. How you doing? How's Melbourne? Uh, look, it's all good, buddy. All good. Just flying, you know, 100% tickety-boo. Is that a word? I don't know. I don't use that very often, but it is a word. Oh, it's a two words, tickety-boo, it's close. I suppose. It's close. The word with a hyphen, tickety boo, like would it. it be? I like it. It's good. To, yeah. It's good to start the show off with a bit of a lesson, you know, a lesson in vocabulary, open people's eyes. Why not? It's yes, tickety boo. So, where did it come from? We could probably Google it and spend. You could spend an hour down some sort of internet rabbit hole to work out where that came from. And so you're you're in lockdown, obviously. Still, how's that going for you? Mate, it's um, good. I've got, you know, I've got here with the family. So I'm broadcasting the radio show to Sydney, though. So right. generally I've been, I'm up in Sydney during the week, but um, I had a long time away from the family. So I came back to Melbourne and uh, broadcasting to Sydney. So, but yeah, we're home with the three kids and the wife. She's a school teacher. So she's home all day teaching her grade ones via Zoom. And uh, I do radio in the morning and then, you know, Avoid the family as much as I can for the rest of the day. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's what it, yeah. the way it is. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're lucky that you can still do your job from home. A lot of people are in yes. a bit of a shit situation. I know, obviously, yeah. stand-up-wise, you can't do any shows, can't do any just anything. You can't do any live stuff. That's um, For me, personally, that's been a real kick in the nuts um, over no, the last, mate, like, two yeah. years. No, it's bloody. I mean, look, I am very lucky that I've got radio and some TV that I've been able to do over the last, you know, two years now. And, uh, yeah, I've done very little stand-up as, you know, most stand-up comedians would be in the same boat in Australia. And it's continuing as well, obviously. It's a bloody nightmare. So, and it's still my first love stand-up comedy. And it's, you know, it's it's, I, it's the best adrenaline rush you can get, as you know. And, uh, yeah, not to be able to, to not be able to do it. Is really shit. <laughs> yeah, no absolutely. And there's a lot of there's a lot of people like I know, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney and the big capital cities, uh, people who you know really don't have another outlet who are doing stand up. Like you know, you're lucky you got telly and radio. I'm lucky I've got yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of comics who are in the position of making zero income, and that's got to be an absolute killer for not only for you know financially, but for your dreams as well. Yeah, and for your self-esteem and for your self-worth and for for many things. And, yeah, two years is a freaking long time. So, yeah, I mean, and live performers are, you know, I mean, aren't getting the, uh, you know, probably the exposure and the, the sympathy they freaking deserve. So, yeah, it is It's really hard for many people. And, we, you know, I mean, I should reach out 
to others more than I do, buddy, you know, because I know, you know, a lot of my friends and, as you know, a lot of your friends are in, the, in that boat and, uh, yeah, we've got to, you know, try to stick together. What do you think the move is for those people? Like, considering that this this whole pandemic and lockdowns may continue for another couple of years, I mean, let's be honest, we're particularly in a country where we're so prone to really snap, quick snap lockdowns. And I know you have been, um, particularly on Twitter, uh, not not 100% against lockdowns, but you've certainly questioned it um, and, and how the government uh, approaches that. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we question, you know, and it's, I think it's reasonable to question, uh, you know, public servants in positions where they don't lose a cent of income and, and take pay rises uh, during this time, how they have just, you know, just, you know, just some ways not, many ways not taking into account business owners, you know, and many people, live performers being two sort of different categories of a lot of business owners and live performers, you own a business if you perform live, basically. So, sure. yeah, they just haven't taken into, in, haven't really, you know, thought about it, you know, as much as they should. And it's bloody hard. I mean, at least now you, you look overseas now, and you, they're countries like England are just they're, they're open, they're open for business. And I, yeah, yeah, they're um they're still dealing with COVID, and and it's tough for them. But they're gone. They're basically gone. No, we, we need to get on with it. And Australia has to get there. And it's it's going to have to get there sooner rather than later, I reckon. Yeah, I, I've you know I've been called an anti-vaxxer and all this type of stuff, even though I've put out content that said I'm going to get the vaccine. I think it's the move, right? But as soon as yeah. you seem to question the status quo or even the 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 choice by the government, people freak out, particularly on social media and on Twitter. And I know that I'm sure you're uh, you have enough experience in the in the comedy and the online and the entertainment game to know that you don't read comments, but People hammer you, not just you, but anyone who seems to question any government official, and That's they just weird. go harder. It's so strange, mate. You honestly, and it sounds like an alarmist thing to say, and people might think that I'm crazy for saying this, but you can see how totalitarian regimes get momentum uh, because it's all about not questioning authority, and and uh, once you get to that position, you're in trouble. And yeah, there is certainly an element of that in Australian society today. And uh, look, a lot of the, uh, and I, you know, it's a lot, I do believe a lot of the, a lot of the flack I cop online and many people cop online when you question the government is from, you know, people paid by the government and there's, they've got multiple accounts and they they've set up, you know, ways to attack people online and they just have. So, you know, they've got zero followers and, you know, it's very easy on Twitter. You could have 3,000 accounts. You can just set them up today, 3,000 accounts, and you can just go, go, and I'm going to attack this person and just go for it. So, and before you know it, that person's name's trending on Twitter, which mine has many, many times over the last uh, 18 months. I always seem to see it trending on Twitter and I go and look at it because I've followed your career for some time since I was a kid watching The Glass House. I loved it. It was my introduction to Australian comedy. Yeah. And so I see your name trending. I go and have a look. And you and they are acting like you have said the most outrageous thing ever. And it's just something <laughs> like it's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be locked down for two and a half years. And I've got Dave <laughs> Q. He's a bigot. He's the worst bloke that's ever lived. But onto your point about authoritarianism and totalitarianism and all the isms, you you'll find like places like North Korea, the way that they control everyone is everyone basically tells on each other. They dob people yeah. in, and that's what we're facing now. You see uh, Gladys Berejiklian get on there. Hey, if you see someone out and about, you need to tell us. You need to call the police. And it's I've said this recently quite a bit in podcasts. It's like I sort of trust the government now. Like I know they're not gonna they're not they don't really have a nefarious point like that's a new world order or anything like that. I don't really believe that, but. Do we trust a government in 50 years' time where the same rules apply because we've set a precedent now? I don't think we can say we can trust those people who Mate. perhaps aren't even born yet. No, and, and that's right. Once you, we've To this point, we've it's happened really quickly. We've allowed control. Well, here's an example, state borders. Um, before, you know, March last year, no one ever thought that, a, that a, a certain state in Australia could shut their border to other Australian citizens. It just wasn't, it wasn't heard of. It wasn't even contemplated. It, no one really thought it was legal, I imagine, that you couldn't cross a state border. And now it's accepted that a normal citizen can't cross a state border. 
But if you here's an example of just the double standards and, you know, a way that a, a totalitarian sort of government can operate that, you know, party members can do what they like sort of thing. For example, AFL footballers now are playing finals in, you know, WA, they're playing finals in South Australia, they're playing finals in Tasmania, they're playing finals in Queensland. And they're all, most of them are coming from Melbourne where a normal citizen cannot travel from Melbourne to any of those states. And if they do, if they are luckily, luckily enough allowed to do it, they have to quarantine for two weeks. The AFL, for instance, is just they're, just, they're just crossing and playing football, no quarantine in a lot of these places. And if they do, it's only for a few days and it's only for, you know, the look of it. It is just ridiculous. And that where the state governments have the power now to say who can and cannot come into their states. It is absolutely ridiculous and it's not being broadcast. It's not being, it's the mainstream media are not covering it at all. They're just allowing it. It is, it's absolute bullshit. Being a part of a radio show and a widespread radio show, do you, I mean, if you don't want to answer this, is absolutely fine. Do you ever get people say, oh, we, we really shouldn't talk about that on, on, on air? No, I mean, look, to be honest, I, my radio show is a comedy show, so and that is sure. that it is lighthearted, and you know I will I will talk about this stuff, and I'll do a, a Husey Lose It segment where I'll talk about that. For instance, AFL footballers can cross the borders, no no you know no quarantine. If you've got a sick relative in another you know in another state, just put on a, an AFL jumper, and you'll be able to walk across the border. Sort of <laughs> yeah. Do it in a funny way, and online partly I am you know very much. I take the humour out probably on Twitter, and that's probably why I cop as much flack as I do, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have people behind the scenes saying you can and can't say that. But you know, there's no doubt that when I do, and when anyone gets a vocal on this sort of thing, you do, you do open yourself up to have, you know, l- to limit your potential to earn like sponsorship dollars, if you know what I mean. So, because someone who's really noisy politically is probably not as likely to get an ad for, you know, a certain product, if you know what I mean. So yeah. you certainly aren't yourself, but I have never had any pressure from my uh, employers about it. But, yeah, I mean, you could see that they might not like it. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. If you're, if you're copying, um, you know, phone calls and all that type of stuff just because you've spoken out of turn, if you will, that's something an employer doesn't want. I remember I had – this is the worst flack I've ever got was from – are you familiar with K-pop? Yeah. So yeah. so BTS is a very big K-pop band. Yes, and I know. I, you've got to be very careful about doing BTS jokes. <laughs> I think Alex Williamson was getting some flack over something he said about it and I jumped in and I just like, no, I'd never heard of BTS. I said, mate, they are the worst band. They auto-tune. I got, <laughs> I think I did a little Twitter video for like 45 seconds. I got on a plane to Brisbane from Newcastle, so an hour flight. I got off. When I got off the flight, it had about, I think it was 300, or 450,000 views and I was getting hammered and I was doing a tour at the time and all the venues were getting phone calls saying this bloke's racist <laughs> and he and all these and I was just like oh my god my management are like what have you done like this is the most ridiculous thing to get attacked over a band you've never heard of and they were threatening sponsors and all this shit yeah. like you got to be careful what you say if you piss off the wrong person they're going to come for you <laughs> from every angle it was fucking insane <laughs> No, mate, BTS is even I'm not going to have a go at BTS. I'll have a mm. go at state and federal governments. I'm not having a go at, at that. At that uh, Don't do it. I wouldn't do it, man. I, they're the I only know. person, they're the only group I've ever, like, <laughs> sat down and apologised to. I said, listen, I'm sorry, all right? Please stop. Just leave me alone. No, mate, I know other people who have had a go at BTS and cops similar, so I'm definitely not having a go at BTS. One Direction, I think, they're, they're, back in the day, their people had that. Probably not similar power, but there was some of that where you have to be careful with your One Direction jokes. They have power, like uh, online. It's I think they, <laughs> when Trump was running a uh, a rally, they they bought they bought out his tickets, or they they you sort of had to say I'm oh I'm coming, and then you you reserved the ticket, yeah. or they might have been free or whatever, and they sold out the whole thing, and no one turned up. But this was this big thing. Like they have a powerful <laughs> um, movement online. I guess that that's a question for for yourself. Um, how, how important do you see an online presence being for young comics? Because I know when I was starting out, I, I started in Sydney 
um, and and in Newcastle and just doing shows or driving from Newcastle yeah. to Sydney and uh, you know you drive two and a half hours get caught in traffic for a five minute spot um, wherever it happened to be and then you drive home and you know you go to work the next day and I found that the best way to sort of cultivate an audience to be able to do more shows was to produce online content so for me it wasn't sort of oh, I found. Uh, some um, some fame or whatever online, and then I'll start doing stand-up. It was more of a business plan from my point of view. But I copped a lot of flack for that. Do you, do you see people as being a YouTube comedian being a negative thing or basically mate, no, however you do it? Mate, I, look, I'm jealous of, of you and for, the, and for people like you. I'm not going to lie, and, and good on you for doing it. So any way you can get an audience, go for it, you know, and... Uh, and the, you know, the, I mean, I'm 50 now, so you know, I can say the youth of Australia and the world are so online. I've got three kids who are, my son got a 12 year old son. He's online. He's it's it's like free to air TV is something they don't really. It's not relevant. You know, it's hard to get my children to watch free to air TV because they don't understand the concept of waiting for a TV show to come on. Yeah. Uh, either they want to stream it, or they want to be on their screens on YouTube. So. No, God, I, I, again, I'll reiterate, jealous. And that's probably the only reason people would have a go at you about it is pure jealousy. And I understand that because, you know, people like you have cracked the code and it's, I don't know how you do it, to be honest. It's not easy to do, but whatever you've done, you've done, you know, through talent, obviously, of, 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 of getting to being in the right spot, but also getting the content right. And, uh, yeah, good luck to you, man. And, you know what, there's a power in that, which, I mean, I've always relied on you know free-to-air tv or, or free-to-air radio and to be able to unhook from that those business models would be great and just to be able to rely on yourself and you know your own content being your own sort of vehicle to get out there is fantastic so yeah I mean, i'd be looking for you to you for tips you know what i mean so and there's, a, there's well, it's, absolutely it's, it's all, all praise and and there's no no derision from me if there was thanks, derision mate. it would come from jealousy and that's it i appreciate that but it's 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 a whole different time isn't it it's like you know as i said with the early days of like the glass house and if you were on telly you would be able to go anywhere and people would know you know exactly who you are they come and see your show and and not, i'm i'm sure that hasn't changed for you now but perhaps there's other people that that weren't able to maintain their uh, presence on telly and radio and stuff and they sort of disappeared yeah. the great well, thing absolutely, with you mate, but yeah but i you know and i'll just say this again with what you do and there is and which is different to what i've done and the way i've come up but i've come up from another generation is that people like you have got it's almost like it's a secret not a secret i don't mean it's in a, in a in a negative way at all but a club where people are i feel more connected and i think they're more likely to come to shows because they feel like they're on the inside, if you know what I mean, which is really powerful and, uh, yeah, keep cultivating it's, it. It is strange. And, I mean, I feel like that when I listen to other podcasts that I really enjoy and, um, you know, you feel like you're, you're in the inner sanctum. You know, with TV, it's got the magic and, the, you know, there's the intro yeah. and all this type of stuff and you never really get to see the people. When you listen to, say, this podcast, for example, they're going to see a side of Husey they've never seen. They may hear me say something they've never seen or maybe they've never listened to a podcast. And they start seeing me talk very differently to how I do in a video where I'm yelling at the camera and being an asshole yeah, and all yeah. that type of shit. They start to learn more about you and I feel it's, it's much like, like I'm a big MMA fan and I love learning about fighters and then having a, um, a reason to barrack for them. You know, it's different to yep. like I, I grew up loving rugby league. My old man played uh, for, for the Knights and I was it was, it was everything for me, right? Um, mm. But as I got older, I started to not care. They changed the sport, all that type of stuff, and I stopped playing when I was about 24 and I just went completely differently into another sport uh, of like, like watching the UFC and being able to really know the fighter, knowing who they are, what, what their wife looks like, what their kids' names are, all that type of stuff. When they get in there in the cage, they lock the octagon and they're throwing hammers. Like you give a shit if they get knocked out. Like you, like the, when McGregor broke his leg, I nearly cried. I was so, I was an anxious yeah. wreck. I, and it's, it's mad. It's, it's, it's mad to be able to be so close to someone you've never met but you genuinely care about what happens to them. And I think that's what why, you know, people with an online presence, you see a great 
uh, success when it comes to ticket sales and people coming along, whether or not they've seen stand-up or not before. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think MMA is, is in a way, you know, sort of it's grown along with this online presence basically. So, and, you know, rugby league and, and AFL is the same. It's like I'm trying to get my son interested. He's, he's drifted away basically. <laughs> it's like, why, do you, why do you think that is? I don't know, mate. I know that when I was 12, uh, you know, I was – Growing up in Victoria, AFL was my sport, and it'd be like you, you know, in New South Wales, as rugby league has been your sport. It was just, it was everything. Now mm. I think it is the the screens and the options, and uh, they're just not as into it. The kids, <laughs> no. So yeah, for sure. you, you got to think that in the yeah in the future, they're they're all they're all powerful, you know, big you know mainstream sports like AFL and NRL are going to are going to be competing more and more for eyeballs of the of the next generations with things like MMA and you know all, all sorts of different things. So yeah, I think it's just the options they've got. But mm, interesting. Mm, I, I think there's uh, there's also the and I don't know if it's the same with the AFL, but particularly with the NRL, these players are just like they're robots. Every fight, every every game, rather, there's you know they're they're going through the same catchphrases and all credit to the boys and there's no real answers and there's no behind the scenes and you know no one's making a name for themselves like there's no one out there like a Conor McGregor who's talking shit in the AFL like I'm going to take out your full forward yeah. or whatever you know and I feel like back in the nineties. Uh, or even the 80s, or definitely in the 70s, people are out there to hurt each other and people love watching that. And the lack of that, I feel like it's somehow related to people not caring as much. Yeah, and it might be, and you may be right, but it also might be related to them, the, the fear of saying anything out of the ordinary and having your a new household t- torn by the internet. Yeah. You know? So the people are analysed more and more and they are, you know, scrutinised and... Uh, you know, everyone's looking to throw someone on the fire of, uh, you know, political correctness or, or just of morality. It's very moral world we live in these days, so you've got to be careful. God How almighty. have you seen the change from, you know, the early 2000s to now when it comes to hate or, or hate mail or um, people disagreeing no, you know, I, with something you, know what, you said? I, you know what, in a way... I've actually, the more flack I've copped, and it's really only the last few years that I have copped that much, to be honest, but in a way it's actually probably toughened me up to it. You know, I remember back in the day where the only way you could really cop negative feedback was like a a letter to the editor in the local, in the paper, you know. So it was like, I remember once doing radio and uh, we had a, a guy coming in helping us out doing comedy, you know, on the show, on the radio, breakfast radio shows years ago. And, and he, he walked in halfway through the radio show to, to say good day or whatever, do his segment. He goes, oh, what about what they said about what about what they said about you in the paper today, Husey? And I'm like, what did they say? <laughs> and, and then I realised that the, the, the section of the paper, I think the TV guy or the radio guy, had been taken out of the newspaper in case right. I, I, they didn't want me to see it. I'm like, what did they say? And why have you taken this out of the paper? Because I knew how sensitive I was. And then I eventually I found out what they'd said, and they'd said that I was shit or something, or that I was shit on TV or something like that. And I was I was fuming. But now I, you know, I can get fifty of those comments a day online. I don't give a shit. You know? So well, it's so all been more, said. It's all been said. Like you've heard everything. I've heard Who it cares? all. Like, <laughs> man, you, you you don't like it, but you've heard it so many times. It's like whatever, you know. So it's like, yeah, man, I, you, you, I had a particular one. Uh, with a, a joke about the Christchurch massacre, and I had eighty thousand messages on Instagram, like angry yeah. messages. Eighty thousand. It was insane, and <laughs> I was just thankfully we we're in lockdown at the time, so I was able to just keep my head down for a bit, and it blew over. But man, people were calling for my head. They wanted me. They wanted to. They were saying all these horrible things about my kids. I don't have any kids, but they're saying all these things. They're going to skin my dogs alive, and people lose it. They lose no, it. Lose. They lose and it. People, are, they're looking to vent. They are looking for avenues to vent. People, is, you know, and generally when you get abused, it says much more about the person who abuses you than it does about you. And, um, you know, we all, no one's perfect and we all say things that we would we take back sometimes. But, yeah, the level of, 
vitriol is just ridiculous. Mm. And again, mate, I've just had, yeah, as you know, when you see my name trending, your name's never trending for people being positive about you. I can tell no, you so. No, absolutely. <laughs> it's always about piling on. It's but I think on the, on the people that would send those messages, like could you imagine yourself or someone you're friends with sending someone a death a death threat? Like it would never happen. Like you wouldn't hang around with that bloke or that lady if that's what no, they were I up to. It is wonder, but sometimes you, you, you do look at them and think they're like they're teachers or they're like, and I in the past I have, like I very rarely can be bothered now, but I have in the past just messaged someone saying, mate, you're a school teacher. I mean, you, you, you yeah. look what you've written there. That's like what you, and you're, you're looking after the, the minds of the, of the children of this country. <laughs> Come on, buddy. I mean, yeah, you could, you could get people fired pretty quick if you just screenshot it and just send it to their schools. So, yeah, I don't know what goes on that. There are obviously people that are just angry for whatever reason. Mm. And it comes, you know, it's often political or it's uh, it comes down to offence. Have you what what changes have you seen in the comedy game over the last 20, 30 years? Do you think what are the main Look, changes? I have, to be honest, I haven't seen that many for me personally. I, I I think I pretty much do what I did. I'm you know I'm not I'm not out there to offend people in general. I never have been, and you know, for, so for me to become across as a divisive person is a bit weird, really. You know what? Mm. What you do see is just if you watch a movie, like for instance, and this is not on my personal stand-up, but if you watch a movie, um, like I was just, just with the kids, you're watching the comedy movies from the from you know the last thirty years or whatever. You put on uh, even Austin Powers, you know, and like the Spy Who Shagged Me and stuff. Or you put those movies on and you look at it and you think, I don't know, I don't reckon that'll fly today. Yeah, you know, like absolutely. Mini me, you know, Mini me, who's like you know. Who I, the actor's passed away now, but you, you put that character next to Austin Powers and you wonder, or to Dr. Evil, and you wonder you wonder whether that's going to, you know, in the current uh, mindset that could even happen. So I, when I do see some direct, comedy directors go, I don't know if I can do this anymore, you can understand where they're coming from yeah. because the range of jokes has contracted probably in that sense if everything's going to be analysed. I think you can you can get away with anything if you just you do can. it. You just do it and you just go, okay, I'm going to cop some shit. It is what it is. I think that's the mindset of like in Melbourne, the, the boys from the Comics Lounge. Like they, they get a bit of shit. They had me there. People weren't happy about that, whatever. Um, they were talking about like they ha- you had to have enough females here and then apparently it is the Melbourne uh, mindset that the Comics Lounge don't have enough ladies on the bill and they're just like, mate, we just get people who are good comics. And we have heaps of women and we have heaps of blokes and everyone's happy. And that's their mindset. Yeah. They're just there's like, a lot yeah, of, whatever. There's a, mate, there's a lot of very unfair commentary gets out there and it's, it's it's you know, it's it can be unlo- online, but you've got to, you know, if you're true to yourself and you you know you're coming from the right place, you're going to cop some flack, you know what I mean? So, and yeah, and you just you just can't worry about it basically. Hmm. When, I was, uh, when I was reading about the glass house, I tried to work out when the glass house finished and... Um, 2006, I believe, and it said yeah, ended on, yeah. It, it said it ended because of a um, a controversy. Was that, yeah, was, was was that right? Bad. What happened? Well, no, there was talk. There was talk that, that John Howard, who was prime minister at the time, wasn't happy with the with the some of the stuff that had happened on the show because it was anti government stuff. So, and to be honest. It ended up in Parliament where he had to defend really? himself in Parliament, over which we were happy about because it got our name out there. And the final episode of the show was the highest rating episode of the show and it was like, you know, it had created a controversy. But whether it was true, I don't know. And I think anyone who's really directly involved, Will Anderson or Corinne Grant or, or the uh, producers, uh, really think that it was John Howard who got the show cancelled. More likely the show got can- all got finished up because the head of the ABC had changed over and there was a new head of the ABC and like anywhere when there's a new person in charge, they want their, you know, they want to kill the babies that they didn't uh, make and make their own babies. So yeah. I think that's probably what happened in the end. But, you know, that show is, like you mentioned it, it still gets, it had its 20-year anniversary of um, first episode only I think a few weeks ago I saw online. So, yeah, it's really well, uh, It's it's got a, a lovely place in the minds of, of many people in Australia, which is which is really nice. So, mm. Yeah, and it was a great from from what I remember about it, and I've got like the greatest hits on DVD and all that type of stuff. Um, but it's funny to see 
something like that get quashed because of comments on the government and then what four or five years later you see the chaser who are doing you know a very similar thing in their in their own way where they're attacking the government and now people still attack the government on the ABC maybe um, I don't know well, if they say this as the, absolutely absolutely yeah 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 I mean yeah we, but, but people have a go at me for like being some because being in Victoria was a, a Labor government a local government they have, when you have a go they say you're you're liberal bias but no I'm just having a go at the government that's in front of me you know what I mean so yeah and. People think that you have to just just pick a side and just blindly support that side, like it's your rugby league team or something, or your AFL team. It's ridiculous. You're allowed to. You should be criticising people in charge. It's it's madness to not criticise people in charge. But that's only that's only a recent thing. Like people only just recently have started treating politics like religion. I mean, maybe maybe you know if you were like a. a, a a straight down the line Republican in America that's been like that for a long time, but now in Australia, I don't think there's been a a more uh, a time where people were so involved with their politics that they will fight tooth and nail, spend their entire evening fighting with people on Twitter, trying to work out or trying to prove to someone they've never met and don't give a shit about why they are <laughs> wrong. It's mad. People love it. It is mad, mate. And I'm, I'm like part of the problem, as in I will argue with people, and most people just won't change their mind. They just, they refuse to change their mind. So you, why are you arguing with them? They're just not going to change their mind. So you can put all yeah. the evidence in the world in front of some people, and they'll never change. <laughs> and it's, it, no, it's, it's rife. It's so strange. Yeah, no, it is weird. It's absolutely weird. And the, the Donald Trump thing was huge as well, where, like. The, the new president is not proving to be great, Joe Biden. He's just not. No. But he can't. But if you have a go at him, you're somehow if you have a go at Joe Biden. You, you're a Nazi or something. I don't get it. So yeah, yeah. We've got to be able Wait. to criticize whoever's in control of decisions that affect people's lives. You've got to be able to critique them, no matter whether they're left or right or in the middle, whatever. You've got to be able to. And people should not tell you to shut up for doing it. Sorry, I mean, camera keeps fucking dying. It's this right, this mate. weird thing with cameras that if you buy a DSLR, they only record for like ten to fifteen minutes. Otherwise, it's cla- it's classified as a video camera. It's fucking weird. Yeah, anyway. right. <laughs> but mate, yeah, it's too tiny for me. It's, I've got no, no idea. for me too. I need it. I need my <laughs> producer back here when I can finally do shows with people around. I'll be stoked, but yeah, when when Trump was in in power, you had to to be a Trump supporter. You had to be down the line. Everything that comes out of that man's mouth is gospel. And if you were a Clinton supporter, no, there was no emails, there was nothing. And it's just it's crazy that people act like that. Like it doesn't. You don't have to treat politicians like they are religious figures. Like it, no. it doesn't. They're people that have been elected by crazy people who are barracking for them. Like particularly with like the like people always talk about, oh, you're a you know, about me being like, oh, you're a liberal supporter. I do not want anything to do with liberal people. Have you heard of the young liberals? These people that are obsessed <laughs> with politics from like the age of sixteen? Like, fuck off. Could you think of anything worse to be obsessed about at sixteen? Focus on fingering. That's it. All right, focus exactly, on that. Man. Don't no, worry about I the polls. I'm with you 100%. It's just, yeah, it's just, I mean, I, one of my biggest trending one was when Joe Biden was did a speech after he just accepted, he just realised he was going to win and he was just having trouble with the auto queue. And all I said on Twitter was, Joe Biden is, is having a mad struggle with this speech. Is it the auto queue? Question mark. And I went on with my afternoon. Mate, I was trending for days. Of just what? I mean, the guy was having trouble with the auto cue. <laughs> yeah. and, and he's going, running oh, he's the country. To... He's in control Mate, of the, the nukes. He is, and he can't. People are going. Oh, and then it was, it was Wendy Harmer actually, who I respected. Wendy and I get along well, but she's going. He's got to start a huge. And I'm like, oh. I've never seen him stutter. Like I've watched him. <laughs> I still haven't seen him stutter. So it's like, let's. You've got to be able to just have a go at that. But someone, and I'll do this as stand-up, but someone wrote, wrote me a note saying, you're punching down now, are you? That's disgusting. I'm like, what the fuck? He's the leader of the free world. You know what I mean? I'm a dude no, with a dodgy yeah. how, how could you punch down <laughs> on the dude who has the nuke briefcase? Exactly. <laughs> we can blow up the world today. How can I be punching down? So, I think this yeah. is, um, I'll just bring this up. This is uh 
sleepy Joe Biden falls to, uh, appears to fall asleep while meeting with Israeli PM. <laughs> he, f- <laughs> he fell asleep. I think this will play an ad first, but um, it's coming through my ears. Uh, Mate, he's, uh, what's going on here? It's like Sorry, a, I mean, it's like weekend at Bernie's. You know, it's like he's barely alive. <laughs> <laughs> He is. He's barely alive, this man. And that's the thing about it. Like, and I, I think that's what a lot of people were saying. Like, really? Donald Trump, a guy who's been a billionaire or a millionaire for, for most of his life? The, here he is. He's the him and this dude. These are the people who are gonna run the world. This bloke, this bloke's flying over from Israel. Mate, he's, <laughs> look at he's the asleep. He's asleep. He's asleep. <laughs> like, Mate, I don't know if he knows, but the world's in a bit of turmoil at the moment. He's asleep. It's fucking ridiculous. Like, I mean, I mean, take the mask off, mate. You're barely getting enough oxygen to brain anyway. I mean, every now and then we've just got to risk COVID so that we can breathe. Fucking hell. Yeah, I love that, you know, even even talk show hosts in, in America, they have they have Biden as the easiest target of all time. Like Trump with his hair, I get that. But Biden, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you could play every clip every well, of night. Of course you should. They're and not, they don't do it. Right? No, because he's, crazy. he's their side of politics, mate. So they've gone all in. They've gone chips all in. Uh, of He's not Trump, so we've got to love him. But, guys, he's in. He's got to now be the target. He's got to be the target. He's the guy making the decisions. He has to be the fucking target. Whether he's on your side of politics or not, he has to be. There's no whether one he's else. got a whether he's got a stutter or he's epileptic, go at him. Like who he's cares? He's got to be the time. He's the you've got to, It's truth to power. There's the power. You've fucking got to go for it. What do, what do you what are your thoughts on punching down, particularly when it comes to comedy? Do you, do you feel that that's fair? Oh, look, I look, I uh, look, the term annoys me. I'm not going to lie, but um. Ah, uh, I don't. I mean, I do jokes. I mean, I do jokes about people who hassle me on the street. You know, is that punching? Like, I've I've done jokes in the past where you know, and they're true stories. I'm walking down the street, and a guy who's sitting in the fucking on the footpath, you know, a guy who looks like he lives on the street, yelled at me one day. Well, this has happened numerous times. But said, I remember one particular guy day. A guy said, "I hate you on TV," and I looked at him, think, "Where the fuck are you watching me, mate?" So you know. <laughs> I mean, that's punching down, but he, he started it, you know what I mean? So, and if anyone knows me, I'm very available to the public. I'm, I'm no airs and graces. You can see me, people do, they're drawn to me. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm missing nine teeth myself. So, you know, I mean, I could get them fixed, but I can't be bothered. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'm like, I look like I, I look as shabby as anyone who's walking down the street. So, um yeah, I look and 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 sometimes I actually did a, that joke. At, I think at the Logies one year, and then people got, had a go at me about it. I'm like, fucking hell. Most of the jokes I do, mate, are about me. So you know, and often I'm generally the punchline. So occasionally I'm not. Deal with it, basically. Yeah, I mean, I guess where it's where it comes from is the big thing. If you're, you know, intentionally trying to hurt, like harm someone or attack yeah, someone, exactly. like, and but maybe maybe even that's okay as long as it's funny. If people are laughing, that's that's the true test of whether or not a joke is appropriate. If people laugh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you, I think, yeah. If you can sleep at night and you know, you, it's it's okay, you know. Mm. I mean, you do. I mean, I, you know, occasionally, look. For example, sometimes you do a joke about, I mean, do jokes about the biggest loser or something, or something about you know people who are morbidly obese, and then. Someone will come up to me after the show who's morbidly obese and say, I love the show, and I feel slightly guilty. I'm not going to lie. I feel slightly guilty. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, Did I you love all the show? show. <laughs> <laughs> but here's an example. I, I was on the dole for many years, and, and I was embarrassed to be on the dole because you feel like a loser. And I was trying to make my way in comedy, and I was, you know, just, you know, I was on the dole. And it was like fucking you're at a party. Someone says, what do you do? You don't want to tell me you're on the dole. You feel like an asshole. But I used to do jokes about being on the dole because I was on the dole and then I'd have people come up to me afterwards and go, mate, I'm on the dole too. You've made me feel better about my situation. So that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, so I mean, we've it's got a way to, to connect. Got, you've got to be able to fucking laugh. And I say this to my kids all the time. You've got to be able to laugh at yourself, you know. 
recently I said to my son, he just turned 12, I said, what's the secret to life? To life? said to my 12-year-old, I had no idea what he was going to say. And he said, laughing at it. I thought, fuck, that's actually really wise. That you have. I'm going to remember that. It fucking is. Laugh of life. If you, you grow can. up terrified, if you grow up terrified of being offended, you walk around with a shield up all the time, and you'll be scared. Like if you can walk around just like, yep, whatever life throws at me, I'm ready for. Then you will be prepared for whatever happens. And for a twelve year old to have that attitude, it's fucking credit to you guys. But well, well somebody must must be working out. All my, you know, all, all of the, the mockery I receive. Obviously, the kids have realised it's okay, and you know, they. They contributed to it, but you know, in a way, I think I'm. Yeah, they're learning that life is to be laughed at, and you know, it's and that's fine, which is good. I was talking to my missus this morning, walking the dogs, and we're talking about when to have kids and all that type of stuff, and uh, we're talking about bullying at school. And I was thinking, like, what is the best way to deal with bullies for kids? Like, you know, do you do you teach them how to, like, you go to a, a jiu-jitsu gym or, or a kickboxing gym, you teach them how to fight? Or do you teach them how to absorb, you know, uh, whatever something someone says about them and then teach them how to be quick-witted or, or beat someone to the punchline and then for them to understand, you know, how sort of these social trades go and they they won't take the, the bullying on board, they'll reflect the bullying, maybe that's a bad way yeah, to put it. Yeah. They'll, they'll put it back on the bully and then they come off as the hero. Yeah. But look, I, I think that's true. I mean, I actually was discussing with my kids the other day that they very rarely have their feelings hurt. I don't yeah. know. They just seem to be Zen masters. They just don't give a <laughs> shit. So I, and I still to this day have my feelings hurt every single day. But somehow <laughs> I seem to be breeding kids who are, are prepared to laugh at, at things and, you know, they will – if I praise one of them, one of them will go, what about me, Dad? And they do it in a in a joking way, get their point across. But it's like but they seem to be pretty resilient, which is great. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. No, absolutely. Mm. So, mate, I won't take up too much more of your time. I'm just curious. For for like, I get this question a lot from, from people who are wanting to start out and stand up. Obviously, with the pandemic on at the moment, it's a bit of a tough one. I was wondering if you could give any words of advice to aspiring comedians who are at the point where they're like, okay, um, this is what I want to do because this is the mindset I had and I had no idea where to go. It wasn't until yeah. I was listening to uh, it was a Joe Rogan, podca- Joe Rogan podcast. He was talking to a dude called Joey Diaz and they started saying, listen, you just need to get to an open mic night and do five minutes, write five yeah. minutes of material and move from there. What advice would you give from your career to, to people who are coming through now and, and want to sort of take this on as a career? Mate, you've got to be passionate. Otherwise, don't worry about it. And you know, you and I, I agree with that advice that you heard. Is this every chance you've got to get on stage? Get on stage. Book a time in. It's scary. I know. I absolutely freaked out. My first stand-up gig, died in the ass. Was so embarrassed. Walked off stage, and I, there was no backstage. I had to walk through the crowd to leave the venue. <laughs> where was Where was that? Where was that at? It was in Perth. I was I was twenty, just about twenty one, maybe just turned twenty two. But yeah, and I dreamed of. I dropped out of university. I had a dream of doing comedy. You know, while I was failing uni exams, I'm sitting there going, I don't. I want to do comedy anyway. And then the first night, just freaked out. The lights get in your eyes. You feel like you've been interrogated. You know, no one's laughing. In my head, I'm a loser. I'm deluded. Everyone thinks I'm just a just a sad person and that's not a good space to be in so and that was awful but I thought if I don't do it the next week I'm never going to do it again so I got back up kept my dignity the second time third time I walked on stage though I actually had an epiphany as I'm walking on stage I'm a winner for just being up here you know what I could be sitting at home watching reality tv but I'm living my life so anytime you do stand-up comedy you're choosing to live rather than you know sit and sit and be scared you know what I mean so but I tell you my biggest thing for me and what always when I'm on fire, when I'm bulletproof on stage, is when I can look out of the crowd and you might see 50 people laughing and you might see, say, one, two, five people not laughing, you know. But when you're in a bad mood, you focus on that those people who aren't laughing, you know. But when I'm in the perfect mood, I focus on someone in the crowd staring at me like they're having the worst time of their lives. And when that makes me laugh... I can't lose. <laughs> when I can look at people being bored shitless and actually hating me just through their gaze, when that makes me laugh, I'm on fire, man. So that's, Mate, it's that I, attitude. 
I've never understood why people go to comedy shows and sit in the front row and stare at you for the entire show. I, I think I, I was used. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I did it. I remember I did it once to. I won't name the comedian, but I was an overseas comedian. It was years ago, back in the nineties, where I was jealous of his success, and I sat in the front row and just stared at him for an hour, like just to. <laughs> It was a terrible thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I remember him looking at me going, why the fuck are you here, mate? I'm just, I was trying to put him off. It was awful. I was jealous, basically. There was this lady uh, a couple of months ago up north, somewhere in Queensland. I did. I was lucky enough to do a couple of shows this year. And she sat yeah. in the front row, didn't laugh once, and just <laughs> stared at me. And then we, I always do meet and greets after the show and people buy yeah, merch yeah. and shake hands and stuff. It's yeah, great. yeah. And um, she come up to me and I was like, oh, God, here we go. I'm going to get an earful. She said, I love the show. I just, I was so happy to see you and it was, you were hilarious, all that type of stuff. I was like, why the fuck didn't you laugh? I was off my game. I've had a terrible set because you ruined it, motherfucker. It's a killer. I know. I know. That is that often. That's like the person who heckles you and destroys your show will be the first one up to you. Oh, that was great. Oh, yeah, we're oh. a fucking double act, are we? You've actually just ruined my night. <laughs> Particularly when you're doing shows and like theatre shows are wonderful. And the great thing about theatre shows is people behave, I feel. Yeah. Like yeah. they start, they, yeah. they go, okay, we're in a theatre here. You do a show yeah. in an RSL or a, a footy club or whatever. Like it's just fucking John, who, who's a, who's a tr- Bricky's labourer, is just screaming threats at you. I had a bloke up in, um, fuck, where was it? Up, up north in Brisbane again. He was, um, he was heckling from the first second. I said, mate, what the fuck are you doing? You know, we, 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 I've just walked out. You heckle me already. He goes, mate, don't you fucking talk to me. I've been at my friend's suicide funeral today. And I was like, why would you bring that up? Why would you do that? Is- that is you thought, what, just- I was going to cheer you? <laughs> fucking hell. Oh, mate. But, see, but there, there, here we go, mate. For you in your life, that's a horrendous moment, you know. That's just terribly, it's a terrible professional moment for you. But that story's made me so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh. one person's trash is another person's treasure. Yeah, I tried so hard to win him over that night and him and his missus, <laughs> they were they were so, they were, okay, this is the type of people they were. I can't remember where it was. It's still in my head in. But um, these are the type of people they were. They, I ended up kicking them out of the show. These are the, only the second yeah. people I've ever kicked out of a show ever. Um, <laughs> and they, they got kicked out maybe at 50 minutes into the show. And old love left and she left a handbag. And as old mate was picking up a handbag to take the security guard, a crack pipe fell out. These are the people that <laughs> mate, we are yeah. dealing with. The glass mate, Barbie the- was everywhere. Yeah, they go out a lot. I had, a, I had a couple in the front row, not that, well, everything's two years ago now because the last two years have been a yeah. write-off, but it, whatever, a very strong memory. Front row, the guy was just yelling out shit. And he was like just, he was with it. He had a woman next to him. I don't know what was going on. They was just trying to, they were off their heads, obviously, but then they got kicked out halfway through the show and I didn't really know why. And, and then afterwards the guy that, who'd organised the gig came up and said, you know, did you, did you know what was happening in the front row with those two guys? Or with that guy and the girl, I said, "Oh, I know they're off their heads." He said, "The girl was wanking him off." <laughs> Fuck in the hell, front row, in front of everyone. It's like, <laughs> what? So, what As the comic, how do you not see that? <laughs> well, it's the lights in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just, where's the respect? I mean, I sort of took it as a compliment, I suppose, that I could engender that sort of, you know, that sort of activity amongst the uh, audience. It's like, but who wants, like to be ju- <laughs> who wants to be jerked off whilst laughing? That's not, that's not a comedy experience. I, I get it at a play. I just don't know. I don't know the focus was there for them, but, you know, it's, but that's like, you know what also annoyed me? That the guys that I knew they were off their heads when they turned up. I said, why the fuck did you let them in? Like, oh, if they're mate, that off their heads, can we just stop it at the door? You know, the, people who, like- the people who get on the gear and go to comedy shows, I will never understand. That is the strangest. I, I get having a couple of beers, you know, social lubricant, et cetera, et cetera. But if you start popping pills prior to hitting punchlines, what the fuck are you going to – what's going to happen? Just go to a nightclub or just dance in a park or yeah. something. Come on, wank yourselves off in the park. I don't know, but yeah, it was 
Anyway, mate, yeah, you don't know what's going on inside people's blood system, basically. So you've got to be slightly careful with hecklers because every now and then you can get stabbed, basically. I was in I was in Melbourne. I was in um, I was down outside of Melbourne. Actually, I was in Victoria, country Victoria, and I was staying in an Airbnb. This is on the topic of uh, the glass Barbie, and we were doing a sort of a tour of the thing for Instagram and shit. And we went walking around, and we found that there was a glass Barbie, a crack pipe, in the cupboard above the sink, or the, yeah. the cupboard above the the oven, or whatever. And so I put on my Instagram story. That there's, hey, there's a bloody glass Barbie up here. And everyone was commenting, like, how funny is that? I can't believe there's a bloody crack pipe in there. I get a message from the Airbnb people who I booked through and they've taken it to, like, Airbnb legal, saying we do not appreciate that you exposed us for having this in our house. I was like, mate, I've booked your house and there's a fucking (laughs) crack pipe. (laughs) How am I the bad guy in this situation? (laughs) Clean your fucking house. (laughs) So they were giving you a really low rating, you know. I got so, a terrible rating out of that. Yeah, because they found your crack pipe and you, you're less likely to get other other booking, you know. You're going to have to take the lesser of, an, of of other properties because you found the crack pipe of someone's. Uh, I mean, it's just you can't win. <laughs> you can't win. You've got, the con- you've got the con entry insta, so that's the main thing. But. So now every time I go anywhere, I have to get my, my tour manager to book under his account because <laughs> I can't go anywhere. It's like being in an Uber and finding a dead prosy. Anyway, Dave Hughes, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your time. Um, best of luck with lockdown. Hopefully we can get yeah, out. Mate. But, um, Anytime. What's your- like, you want to- Let's connect again, mate, honestly, because there's nothing else thank to you, do sir. lockdown. That's it. That's- it's a bit of a killer when it comes to like Zoom calls and podcasts because I'd prefer to be with the person and talk to them face-to-face, but this does open you up to be able to go and connect with anyone, which is so great. And- that is great. Yeah, there's there's positives to, to this madness that we're going through. So let's try to look on the bright side and laugh at all our problems and, you know, just search out whatever crack pipe you can find in your house or anyone else. <laughs> anyway, on, Thank you very you much. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, how good was that? Husey on the show, uh, an absolute legendary bloke. Now, if you have, if you were new to this podcast, you what's wrong? For starters, you should not be new to this podcast. Go and check us out on Spotify as well. And I press like or follow, I think, on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube. You're probably already here because this is a video platform. Good one, dickhead. Uh, and there's iTunes as well if you're still operating on that prehistoric um, fucking platform. Ladies and gentlemen, be a good motherfucker. Peace in the Middle East. My dick stinks. Toodle-o-wa. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 